Hello, I'm Scott Guthrie, and welcome to episode 52 of the Influence Marketing Lab. And don't forget to sign up to the companion email newsletter at createbriefing.com. When we talk about the amount of money that's being spent in advertising, you know, you look at your Unilevers, your P&Gs, your Cokes, your Nikes, they're not going to turn around and shift the majority of their ad spend from billboard and TV to influencer without a true measurement pipeline for measuring the success of their campaigns. This week, I'm in conversation with Steph Money, Vice President of Client Services at This That, a measurement and evaluation influencer marketing firm. Well, sort of. Steph will explain why this descriptor is only partially correct. In this episode, we discuss how intelligent naivety can cut through groupthink, how measurement and evaluation can be put into harness for go-to market strategies, data as the evidence needed to justify recommendation, why effective measurement of influencer marketing will become table stakes within just three years, and a call to standardise measurement within our sector. The Influencer Marketing Lab has been made possible through a paid sponsorship with Tagger by Sprout Social. Tagger by Sprout Social is a global leader in revolutionizing how top brands and agencies harness data and analytics to drive creator and influencer marketing strategies. Trusted by global enterprises, Tagger is a disruptive SaaS solution that offers unparalleled expertise. Leveraging API partnerships with major social channels, Tagger connects millions of brand and influencer profiles to billions of social data points, offering the industry's most robust social intelligence and actionable insights. Tagger's platform provides powerful analytics, all-in-one capabilities and strategic integrations for efficient campaign workflows. To learn more, visit www.taggermedia.com. Now on with the show. This week on the Influencer Marketing Lab, I'm in conversation with Stephanie Money, Vice President of Client Services at ListAt, a measurement and evaluation company. Steph began her career at Kantar 10 years ago, where she worked for over six years, progressing through ever more senior roles before ultimately leaving as Consumer Insight Director. Since then, Steph has enjoyed a stint at Ogilvy as Global Creative Strategy Director before leaving to become Executive Strategic Director at Streetbees. Steph's main role, though, at This That is to bring data to life for clients through rich storytelling that generates action and impact. Welcome to the Influencer Marketing Lab, Steph. Thanks so much for having me, Scott, and congratulations for getting through all of those incredibly long-winded titles. Well, that's a victim of, of your success, I suppose. But uh, listen, whilst I was digging around to doing, doing the research, I also note that you're up for another reward as Rising Star of Influencer Marketing Awards. Um, tell me a little bit about that. And also tell me, before we kick into the, the, the main questions, tell me about the Rising Star, but also tell me about 
your new elevation to vice president of client services. That's a new appointment. Tell me more about that and tell me more about the Rising Star Award. Sure. So in terms of the VP appointment at this, that um, it it really came about in the sense that I, I was doing the delivery for the clients. And when you're at a startup, you really are looking, the founders do the groundwork and then they hire somebody to take on another role and then they take on a different role. And so the VP role is after a year of working um, with kind of a a very small intimate team in terms of doing delivery, we've now almost tripled the team in size. And for me, it's really around moving to that next level of account management and uh, strategic delivery in terms of entire accounts themselves. But also then on top of that, really kind of managing the team as a whole um, instead of doing the kind of on the ground delivery. So it's it's a really exciting jump um, and really just keeps me very close in terms of the founders, Max and Dom, um, in terms of strategic direction of the company, um, especially when it comes to staying agile and, and working with our partners. And Rising Star, forgive me, but we've already touched on your bio that you're 10 years into your career. Why have you been nominated for Rising Star? And why is that important, do you think? So I was really shocked, first of all, that I was on the nomination list. You know, I'm very excited to be on a nomination list with all females as well, uh, which I find incredibly empowering to see. Uh, but, But for me, what's really important is that rising star, whenever I hear of a rising star category... It really speaks to, you know, really young, um, ambitious uh, people that are starting out in their careers and are really making making a massive impact right away as they start. And for me, this was a really interesting nomination, mainly because I've only been working in influencer for a year. You know, I have a wealth of experience from advertising uh, and research, as you as you've said, but it's it wasn't really an influencer. And I've been bringing all of that experience into influencer to really help shape and elevate the industry from the measurement and evaluation point of view. So for me, that was a really exciting nomination and being recognized that it's not just about the young guns of, of this world, but also people that are, are making a difference and actually shifting industries and bringing that wealth of experience into this kind of wild west influencer marketing world. Well, Steph, you're still a young gun. Let me stop you there. You're still, you're still, a, you're still a young gun. You mentioned there you're helping shape the industry. How important, and you said you've only been 12 months within influencer marketing. So is that uh, naive intelligence? Are you asking questions that people haven't asked before? Or are you able to help shape the industry because you, you can say, well, this is how we've done it in other industries. So tell me what the benefits are of you being a recent entry in, into this sector. Yeah, absolutely. I think from, from my point of view, bringing in a fresh perspective is always a great thing. You know, in, even within my internal team, I haven't really brought people in from influencer because I really do want that fresh perspective. And I think from my point of view, bringing in and coming from Kantar and bringing in a perspective and experience from uh, how our company likes to call them the boffins. We do love the Kantars of this world, but they're very <laughs> traditional and very conservative. But it, it is that grounding in research because these are the original research guys, essentially. And so having that grounding really helps to understand what is working, what's not working, why are, is it, are things being done differently, where are some of those foundations, you know, haven't been put um, in place yet. And so it's a learning curve on one sense, but at the other sense, it actually brings in a lot of those more traditional views on, you know, things that have worked time and time again. But it puts that new spin on influencer, where if you if you grow up in a specific industry, 
what you wind up doing is, is that you almost have your blinders on. And so what this allows me to do is to come at it from a different viewpoint and really start to challenge and question why things are done as they are. And so that's really what I think has been kind of the key to my success over the, over the past 12 months is basically questioning why are things being done in the way that they are. Um, and I'm sure that'll be a theme later on as we go through the podcast. I'm very big on asking why. Um, and if we don't have an answer, let's try it. Yeah, well, I think that's that's hugely important because because we always think of influencer marketing being a, a young industry. It's, it is, it is obviously still a, a young industry, but it's ten years plus along the way. There's a phrase I can't remember who, who coined it, but that naive in, intelligence where you can ask those those probing questions: Why do we do it that way? Why do you do it this way? Uh, and, and you you can avoid or, or cut right through the groupthink that we might have already created for the industry. Listen, we had co-founder of This That, Max Osborne, on the Influence Marketing Lab back in February 2021, episode 19, if anyone wants to look that up. Uh, and he told us then what This That was. I've called you at the heart of This That, that you are a measurement and evaluation shop aimed at the creator marketing sector. Have I grasped the essence of what you do today? Or have, if, if I've got it wrong, put me right. I'm going to say sort of. Uh, and the reason why I say sort of is that if you asked me that question 12 months ago, same way you asked Max this in 2021, I absolutely would have agreed. But a year in startups is measured the same amount of time as dog years. Um, so the business has massively changed. Um, and this really starts off with the fact that this that's purpose is all around making marketing more enjoyable for not just marketers, but for consumers as well. So while fundamentally we measure campaigns by running brand lift studies, our clients utilize this, that as a way to shape their go-to-market strategy, which is where that shift is really happening in terms of, of the, this, that business. And we're really doing that by analyzing the campaign's effectiveness and at the heart of it, proving the power of influencer and its role within the greater marketing mix. I love it. That's great. And thank you very much for putting me wrong. I'm glad I asked the question at the beginning rather than two thirds of the way through. How are most marketers measuring and evaluating campaign activations at the moment? So I'm going to do a sort of response on this one as well. It really depends on the type of campaign. Uh, most campaigns that marketers are looking at fall into these three different buckets, awareness, consideration, or conversion. And that's what they're looking to measure and evaluate in terms of, of, of any type of different campaigns. Influencer, TV, doesn't matter. But let's, let's use influencer for the sake. And to do so, they're really using traditional benchmarks like impressions, reach, engagements, you know, and ROAS like CPMs. The thing of it is those are based on metrics that came with the creation of social media. And so while, yes, we do really need to have these figures to understand performance, the question that I always ask is, what do these actually mean, especially to a brand manager? Two million impressions. Great. A reach of 750,000. Great. You have numbers, but they don't give you context for what the campaign impact is. So that's really one of the things that in terms of how marketers are missing that piece of the puzzle. On the flip side, those are kind of your top and middle kind of uh, numbers. But when you start to look at the bottom funnel, you have these conversion campaigns, which are looking at things like website visits, track sales, affiliates. But again, it's a similar issue where what's missing is the understanding of why those metrics are or aren't successful. And without that context, 
both sets of metrics are just numbers that are better or worse than other numbers. Okay, I think I'm beginning to understand now. One, that you're on top of the game and you're going to push back on uh, giving me sort of responses, which I love. Uh, and also <laughs> that I think what we're doing is we're separating the, the sort of, I think you've already said it, the, the what and the why. So let's dig in a little bit more into that, Steph. The what metrics, let's scroll back a little bit. And I know you said that there is sort of awareness and consideration and driving sales or driving action. Let's put them into two buckets, both performance metrics. Those are the what's. Give me another example of what those what metrics might be. Can you clarify the question a little bit? I'm really just trying to get you to reiterate what you've said in a different way, but we're talking about performance metrics. I'm guessing you're talking about things like impressions and likes and comments and clicks. These this kind of vanity metrics. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, exactly. You have those vanity metrics, which are needed on every single campaign. But at the same time, the numbers, what what you normally tend to see when, when you're delivering any type of campaign results to, to to a marketer is you see your numbers, your impressions, your engagements, your CPM, and you see a benchmark underneath. So did the campaign perform better or worse than the benchmark? And that could be a previous campaign, that could be an overall platform benchmark, doesn't matter. But it's in relation to these other figures. And what I'm trying to say is that it's all well and good having these figures, but the question then becomes, what do they mean? So even when you look at performance metrics in comparison, you have tracked sales, you don't know which of your uh, creators or which of the assets you see which is doing better or worse, but what you don't see is why. And I think one of the big things here that we like to talk about at this, that is performance can be amplified, but effectiveness can't. And so these numbers allow for you to amplify performance. It worked well, let's do it again. But the effectiveness of the campaign, you have to understand the why to be able to understand effectiveness and be able to amplify effectiveness. What do you offer at this stat? You say you, you make it more fun. You say you uh, want to provide the how and the why, not just the what. So tell me about how you set about doing that then. So I think with this that it's really, it's not actually just the why behind the what. It's really around kind of taking that one step forward. Um, and actually looking at what's next. And this is where I talk about that go-to-market strategy, you know, in that kind of earlier question. It's really about ensuring that our clients know which lever um, do they need to pull in terms of guaranteeing lift for a certain KPI that's going to have the biggest ROI on the campaign. With that, the way that we look at, if you think about these in kind of two separate areas, you have your brand funnel and you have your KPIs of the brand funnel. So how do you bring consumers through from awareness all the way through down to conversion? The only way to shift funnel behavior is through your campaign levers. And the three levers you have are the creative, your targeting, and your distribution. So what we're trying to help clients understand is what are the KPIs that are going to make the biggest difference in terms of your campaign ROI? But then on top of this, which are the levers that you can actually pull to change those KPIs? So for instance, if you're looking at you know, creative, you want to understand how to layer messaging and which is the right messaging that's going to actually speak to creator communities. Or if you're talking about distribution, you want to know what the role of each creator is within the funnel. What is the role on the platforms? Is it paid versus organic that's having a bigger impact? And how do you then change that? So really what we're doing is, is that we're giving them the why 
But by doing so, we're able to recommend the what next to campaign strategists, and we're taking away the guesswork for them. And by eliminating that guesswork, we're able to provide them with confidence for what they should be doing for future campaign optimization. That's really clever. You've articulated it far, far better than I, than I ever could say. So thank you for helping me out on that. The Influencer Marketing Lab has been made possible through a paid sponsorship with Tagger by Sprout Social. Tagger's discovery tool lets you apply hundreds of different filters to their huge database so you can find exactly the influencers you want that perfectly match your campaign. I've seen agencies and brands discover high-value influencers in less than a quarter of an hour. Tagger's affinity tool takes discovery a step further by showing you an influencer's brand affinity. It means you're able to partner with influencers who are most likely to enjoy your brand or product. It helps you find audiences who already have an affinity with you. Tagger by Sprout Social focuses on their customers' success. When you sign up to their platform, you're given a dedicated customer success manager. They guide you through everything, from onboarding to training to just checking in and making sure you're finding success with the platform. When you're running an influencer campaign, sometimes it can be difficult to measure your success, but it's easy to report your campaign data with Tagger by Sprout Social. Their modular report builder lets you pull accurate, real-time data directly from social media platforms. You can choose which metrics matter most to you and to your clients, meaning you can customize the data that you show in every report. Something that can be overlooked when you're choosing an influencer marketing platform is the quality of the data. Tagger has direct API access to all major social media platforms. This gives Tagger users access to 100% accurate, real-time data that's gathered responsibly. You can't plan a good strategy if you're not looking at quality data. And if you're looking to scale your influencer marketing efforts, Tagger by Sprout Social is a truly global solution. Its availability in more than 10 languages and the ability to make multi-currency payments directly on platform gives brands a huge advantage when running multinational or multilingual influencer campaigns. If you want to see how Tagger by Sprout Social can work for you, go to taggermedia.com slash request hyphen demo. Many successful campaigns will include several creators spread across different platforms, perhaps. Some of the content might have been paid, and we've already touched on that stuff about the difference between paid and amplified and organic. Uh, how can this that work with so many various touch points? So at the heart of it is that what we create is what call, is called an exposed group. Now, this is not something, anything new. This has always been in brand lift because when you're talking about brand lift, you're talking about the difference between those who have been exposed to a campaign versus those who haven't. And that's essentially the lift. So in traditional brand lift, the exposed group would be a single creative asset or a group of assets that a brand or an agency want to test to look at directional impact on their target. So how well is their creative message or their creative itself appealing to their target audience. But at this that, we're able to look at these touch points because we're breaking down the sum of the parts 
of the total exposed group. And the way that we're doing that is through distribution. And because we don't use forced exposure, we use verified exposure. So those that have seen the campaign in situ while they're scrolling on TikTok or on Instagram, we're able to then retarget those exact audiences. So in terms of our different exposed groups that I talked about, instead of looking at a single asset, you're looking at, like we talked about, at paid, at organic, and you're able to kind of roll them up and roll them down in different ways in order to analyze the impact of a campaign's distribution. It seems like a lot, which kind of leads me on to the next question. You know, marketers seem to be overwhelmed with data. I think, you know, three, four, five years ago, there was a paucity of data. Now the, you know, the pendulum is swinging the other way and, and marketers, I think, are sometimes overwhelmed with the, the amount of data that they have. Is your answer really to give them more data? So definitely not. More data is never the answer. I always talk about the fact that data is useless if there is no meaning to it. And it's even more so an issue with an agency or brand that doesn't know what to do with it. Now, for me, I, this is actually a really kind of a personal thing because my background isn't wasn't even in research originally. You know, I went to university for journalism and I used to work with bands and then I worked with street artists in London. So, <laughs> you know, I walked into a temp agency and they placed me at Kantar. Um, and that's how I got into market research in my early 20s. And so for me, I had to learn how to use data from scratch and find meaning in it. And so that's why I always talk about one of my superpowers is about how to talk about data in plain language. So this has always been one of my crusades, especially if you don't have insight managers um, or people that are you know, quite good with data at companies. And it's something that you know we're finding more and more within influencer agencies, but at the same time, they're not there yet. The, the kind of education barrier is still quite high when it comes to insight. And so in terms of giving more data, what I always talk to my team when we're doing deliveries, I always ask them, you know, what's the so what? When you're telling me an insight or you're showing me a chart, um, well, actually, what I really say is, why do I give a shit, um, to be honest? Um, but my team are really sick of hearing that when we discuss delivery. But the reason why I keep asking this is that we don't know how we would action it. How is the client going to action it? How are they going to utilize this? And in terms of the fact that, you know, multiple teams and stakeholders are behind creating campaigns, you have your paid media, you have your strategists, you have your creatives, you have your campaign managers, your talent managers, and each have that that different baseline knowledge of using numbers and figures. It's not about giving them more data. It's the data is just the evidence to justify a recommendation. And so that's really one of the key things for me. It's, it's about how do you take the data and make it into something that just makes sense of why you should do something else. Um, so it's not about more data. It's not about the figures, and the numbers, just the justification. Just a few weeks ago, Steph, um, the size of the market forecast for influencer marketing was revised upwards to top $21 billion dollars this year 2023 this is a significant uptick on the 17.4 billion dollar valuation statista forecast last august and it's 15 billion dollars if forecast for the year back in march so it's gone from 15 to 17 now to 21 billion for the same year in a matter of months how important will measurement become within the next 12 24 36 months do you think Measurement is important right now. <laughs> um, I think it's incredibly important, but it's going to become integral over the next three years. I don't think there's been a client in my 12 months being at this that that has not needed a measurement solution in terms of an RFP. 
Influencer was the toast of can, really showcasing that influencers finally made it to the mainstream stage. And brands can't ignore its power and the role in the marketing mix. You know, that's evident just from the numbers that you've kind of just spouted. But the problem is what we're seeing here is that there's a huge consolidation in the industry as influencer marketing scales from these early adapters to mass market. It's quite clear in terms of why measurement is going to be so key. You know, the acquisition of agencies like, like GOAT to WPP. You're also starting to see brands choosing agencies of record over the kind of scattered state of affairs of what influencer is right now in terms of these smaller agencies. So really what you're you're kind of seeing here is that influencer is going to be integrated from the start within brand marketing strategies right from the get-go. They're going to be integrated. Um, and so from that point of view, when you start to see them integrated from the start, you're then including influencer in the wider marketing mix model in comparison to other media platforms like TV, billboard, uh, digital ads. Uh, The next chapter on this journey around measurement is really around being able to elevate and quantify influencer marketing um, and the power of influencer marketing so that it can steal more marketing dollars from traditional marketing channels. And 360 measurement is the only way to justify that. Now, one of the examples that I always give is, you know, when we talk about the amount of money that's being spent in advertising, you know, you look at your Unilevers, your PNGs, your Cokes, your Nikes, they're not going to turn around and shift the majority of their ad spend from billboard and TV to influencer without a true measurement pipeline for measuring the success of their campaigns. This is something that needs to happen across the board um, since measurement and influencer marketing isn't standardized. Um, and what we've found is that it's not even even standardize across the social media platforms themselves for the most part. So we're going to come on to standardization in a second, but to kind of to recap, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, insight there, Steph. So trying to unpick a little bit of what you said. You say it's an increasingly consolidated market. We're now starting to see agencies become agencies of record with some of the big advertisers. Um, influencers moving or has moved over the last 18 months, two years from the hinterland of the peripheries to the, uh, the beating heart of creative. And as such, we're getting bigger budgets, but with bigger budgets and in integrated campaigns, we need to see definite return on investment, definite evaluation, definite measurement. Is that in essence what you're seeing and what you're calling for? Exactly. I mean, when you think about it, you know, influencer is 10 years old, but when you're comparing that against television, that is, that has been around way longer than that. I'm going to say the 50s, but I don't want to sound stupid. (laughs) But when you're looking at that and comparing it to the amount of data that you have on that, um, especially from like geographical regions and things like that, you're nowhere near in the ballpark. I was reading earlier today um, around TV and you can see even, you know, in the UK, a Holyoaks ad still commands $20,000 or 20,000 pounds. And so when you're thinking about that, you know, one Holyoaks ad um, over an hour TV show versus, you know, an influencer marketing campaign for one influencer or one asset, they're not even comparable really yet. Interesting. So we are, well, you are rather calling for greater standardization within the sector. Obviously, you've got skin in the game, but why do you think greater standardization would be a benefit to the industry and to advertisers uh, as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. And and it goes back to what you said, Scott, is that influencer is going to grow exponentially regardless. Um, you know, we know that it's growing at 30% year on year. But the faster we have a standardized measurement that brand marketers can really get on board with and align to, especially something that is comparative to more of this outdating marketing mix measurement solutions that, that I've kind of alluded to, then the faster the industry will grow and become a mainstay channel. And not just for the innovator brands, but for all brands. 
So kind of jumping back on that TV example, TV viewership, as we see every year, continues to decline as a whole. But in 2022 in the U.S., $66 billion was spent on TV ads in the U.S., um, which was actually up from 2021, surprisingly. In comparison to influencer marketing, the U.S. took in just over $4 billion, and that was up $1 billion from 2021. There's so much money on the table that hasn't been grabbed because of measurement. It's just a huge amount of marketing dollars that can be shifted away if marketers can trust the measurement against, against these longstanding media platforms that maybe feel more safe to them. Um, and so one of the, the kind of quotes that I kept seeing with a lot of the con coverage that I really liked is this idea of a rising tide lifts all boats. And it's it's a really great saying because it really showcases not just from this that point of view, but the industry as a whole, we need to work together to elevate the industry in terms of measurement. And that's really why this that feels that we can lead the charge as we're steeped in influencer, we're born social, made for influencer. Um, and we're creating solutions to address these, especially um, when comparative uh, to these other media platforms, and to really showcase the power and the role that influencer plays within the marketing mix model, um, but also how it plays conjointly. Um, so not just influencer itself, how does the effectiveness of your strategy change if you do influencer and social ads or influencer and billboard. So that's really why I'm calling for that standardization here. Gary V, last year at Cannes was saying a lot of what you've just said about the TV ad spend and viewerships going down, 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 but still the ad spend is up, up, up. And uh, uh, he was kind of laughed off the croisette, but uh, I think there's a lot There's a lot in what he was He was trying to push uh, NFT, so that didn't necessarily help his argument, but there's a, a lot in that. Listen, this that is, is hugely innovative. I've seen it written in a couple of places that you're – you're setting the gold standard in this. But let's look at competitor landscape a little bit. How are the old guard going to catch up with you? Or how are you going to keep ahead of competitors in the in the space? I think it actually goes back to what we said is that the, the way that we work is we don't call the brands and the agencies that we work with, we don't call them clients, we call them partners. Um, because that's truly how we act with them in that the industry changes so quickly, you know, sometimes even from week to week in terms of TikTok rules or what Instagram's changing, that you know, we create solutions and we adapt very quickly with our partners in order to make sure that we're able to measure uh, what they need for their campaigns and give them the information that they need to make those decisions. And, you know, I think when you're comparing that to kind of the competitors of old, you know, the Nielsen's, the Cantars of this world, they're using brand lift. We didn't create brand lift, but what we are doing is we've created brand lift for influencers specifically because we understand influencer as a whole. And they don't. Um, they, you know, brand lift was originally created for for ad testing for TV, um, and so when you think about it like that, they're repurposing a methodology and then trying to use it and sell it for influencer. Where our methodology was based in the industry to start with, and we're continuing to create solutions based on that. When the industry changes, that we're able to meet expectations and and hopefully surpass them. We're rolling out of time now, Stephanie. Where can listeners? turn to for more information about you and more information about this that yeah sure so we have just launched relaunched our new website um which we're very excited about so you can always check us out on there um but linkedin is normally the the go-to place for us to follow our adventures um our webinars um and just a peek behind the curtain of what's happening at this that and and what it's like working at this skyrocketing startup essentially Thank you very much, Steph. Well, I'll be sure to include some of those links in the show notes that accompany this podcast episode. Just Google the Influencer Marketing Lab for further details. Stephanie Money, 
Vice President of Client Services at This That. Thank you so much for your time and for your thoughts today. Thanks so much, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Influence Marketing Lab with me, Scott Guthrie. My podcast is in a paid sponsorship with Tagger by Sprout Social. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. And for more information, visit InfluencerMarketingLab.com. Sign up to the weekly newsletter at www.CreatorBriefing.com. And if you want to see how Tagger by Sprout Social can work for you, go to taggermedia.com slash request hyphen demo.